welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. We're taking a break from our office sweepstake here, guessing how much it will actually take to rescue Thomas Cook um, and actually when it's going to happen uh, to bring you our thoughts on three topics of other topics of interest uh, across the hospitality landscape. As ever, around the desk of Insight are Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, and Catherine Dogrell, our perspectives editor. And I'm Chris Bound, the web editor and chief button presser in the podcast department. Now, before we start, just let you know that this Friday we'll see the last day you can get early bird pricing for delegate places at this year's hotel distribution event. It's happening on October the 2nd in London. It will be a day of focus on the latest moves and best practice in online distribution and marketing across the hospitality space. If you need to know the latest goings on, you need to be there. And you'll discover all you need to know about the event at uh, www.hoteldistributionevent.com. Now, on to the first topic of interest this week, and we've uh, had a look at PPHE, the London-listed hotel group uh, that recently upgraded to the FTSE 250. They've got a clutch of substantial hotels in London, a few more dotted around Europe, and uh, one coming soon in Manhattan. And, interestingly, also a side interest in a Croatian campsite group. Uh, but we'll leave the campsite to one side, and uh, Catherine's had a quite detailed chat with uh, their finance guys to explain why they're doing quite so well over to you Catherine uh, yes they are doing they are doing quite so well as one uh, as they noted um, group EBITDA was up 5.7% and UK EBITDA was up by 7.9% and the UK accounts for 68% of group EBITDA at PPHE and um, they were telling me that this was great because they put all of their eggs in the right basket and that basket was London. So that was fantastic. Um, and as, as you uh, no doubt all know, they have a series of huge, huge um, hotels in London and um, they've always renovated them recently, extending them and everything's going well. Um, but it's kind of where to go next for them. Um, turnkey hotels, the trainers are now a complete no-go because of the prices in London. And this is a story that we're hearing throughout the results season this time around. People who would normally develop in London are now thinking about going elsewhere. As Chris said, they've gone to Manhattan, um, Belgrade, they're looking around, they would still develop um, because they can do it um, nice and uh, nice and cost-effectively. But as for buying stuff in London, not so much anymore. Um, they also gave us quite a lot of colour on what they're doing for Brexit preparations, um, which appears to be slightly more than the average um, Brexit preparer, which is just screaming and watching a lot of late-night debates in the House of Commons, um, which has certainly been seeing me in good stead. But, um, but they've been doing a little bit more. Um, they have been... I know that they... Last time I... Or the time before last I spoke to them, they were talking about how they were stockpiling wine which is critical. They've moved on from that um, and they've been training their staff in um, training their chefs in menu planning in case of supply shortages. They've insourced all their housekeeping to get, take control of that, um, increased apprenticeships and they've even, fascinatingly, bought staff accommodation so that if you want to have to work in central London, your commute is now only half an hour if you work for PPHE and you're involved in that staff accommodation bit. So they seem to be sewing up all the key bits uh, so they can prepare their eggs in their basket for a happy landing uh, with no shattering. The first thing to say about PPHE is that they don't anymore think of themselves as a hotelier. Um, in fact, they describe themselves as an international hospitality real estate group and no mention of the word hotel there um, or hotel operator. Um, effectively, a property company specialising in hotels and hospitality. And that fits very much in our box marked operational real estate and hospitality. So they very much tick the box of the sort of thing we are now focusing on at Hotel Analyst, 
where we are increasingly moving beyond simply being hotels, but being about hospitality, being about the, the wider hotelization of operational real estate. It's sharp intake of breath of that word. Um, <laughs> but um, interestingly, I mean, in the half year presentation they, they put out, they said uh, i think it was about page three or four our purpose is to create valuable memories for our guests and value for our assets so very much in there it part of that experience economy piece at the upfront and in terms of the and they, they connect that directly to raising the value in terms of their assets and further to this revpar is very much not one of the kpis they're choosing to highlight. They are looking very much more at things such as EBITDA, which is a much more sensible metric to, to measure profitability. And they're also looking at net asset value. And I think an interesting move they've made is in, on that on that last piece, the net asset value, they're, they've signed up with the European Public Real Estate Association to sort of give further credence to their NAV estimates. So I think Clearly, they're a company thinking ahead. I think what Catherine's outlined in terms of their Brexit preparations, which are very seem to be very sensible, solid um, things to be doing right now. Um, they are likewise, in, in terms of their wider strategy, seem to be very much on the money. Right, we're moving on next to look at short-term lets. A blessing for many, but uh, also a curse if you live too close to some of them. Um, now, my next-door neighbours actually list a couple of their bedrooms on Airbnb, and uh, that works seems to work just fine. But I think, as Catherine's probably going to attest, whole home lettings that end up being hen party central are altogether something of a problem. And uh, local authorities around the place are finally working out what they need to do to uh, deal with the issue. Is that sort of going to be easy, or is that going to be difficult? Catherine? Well, at the moment, it's going to be very much plucking a strategy out of a pot and applying it. Um, uh, it's all very unfortunate. And so the story that we focused on this week um, is a test case in Bath. And hands up, it's my old next door neighbour, David. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> it's extreme moving to Paris to get away from him, though, Catherine. It, it is, but you know, it's fair. <laughs> we had a difficult summer last summer. He, he throws some parties, obviously. <laughs> That's so. it, I'm going. Um, yeah, so he's moving away, obviously, away from holiday letting into party planning. But um, but he has a, has a property, not the one that I used to live next to, though, no doubt more on that in a moment. Um, and and it's been causing some kerfuffle with um, Bath and North, North East Somerset Council, um, who have prevented him from changing the use from residential property into holiday let. Uh, he was forced to go for, I think it would be referred to as retrospective planning for this, after a series of complaints which were made not to environmental health, um, but to the planning inspectorate. And under uh, that particular area of the law, he didn't find out about them until it was all too late. There's no obligation for the planning inspectorate to pass on complaints, unlike there is with environmental health. So he feels a bit aggrieved. Um, it's hard to get to the bottom of exactly what happened there. Um, Bath and North East Somerset Council have been working very hard on their strategy to deal with Airbnb. It's a very highly airbnb city, um, as you can tell by the quite low rates, if you ever want to stay there. Um, and, uh, and they don't have, as they have in London, uh, a 90-day rule or anything like that. I know that the council has been looking at that amongst any other area, different areas of ways to deal with this. But the way they've dealt with this particular site is to say you can't change it to a holiday let because um, it's not suited to that particular area, which is a residential area. And that is fair enough. But David's complaint is, where are the rules? How would I know? 
what's going on? It's all so unfair and this kind of thing. And you can, you can kind of see his point. When I was living next to him, it was um, a fantastic large Georgian terrace. Uh, email me, direct message me if you want the link. Um, <laughs> and uh, I stayed in it free very recently and it's just lovely. Um, but um, but it, is, it was a whole building in a residential area. And when the, it was getting off the ground, it became something of an issue for us next door because there wasn't adequate soundproofing. And because of the huge number of, number of Airbnbs coming onto the market, David found that he had to start using um, renting it out to hen nights. And they are not quiet things. And when they happen every weekend, it can be very trying. Uh, he did work very hard with us and soundproofed the entire building. And they're looking to upgrade it to you recently. Put in a jacuzzi, people who are interested in staying there. Uh, and a sauna and so on for a higher, higher end of people. Because all that costs money. Um, and still, he's under the, you know, if it goes wrong with the council, they decide to change strategies or, or whatever, he could be out of business. Uh, for us living next door, it wasn't, you know, such a bad thing that might possibly happen. But as ever, rules need to be set, boundaries need to be laid, somebody needs to do something about this, because at the moment, it's being dealt with by councils around the country on a completely, as far as we can tell, ad hoc basis. Um, so yes, more London-style um, rules needed, we think. Although even that, of course, is not without its massive, massive flaws. There's a number of things that perplex me about this. I think the first one is, um, why is it just hen parties that seem to be a problem and not stag it's parties? It's the pitch. It's the pitch of the noise. <laughs> I thought it was the stags get so the drunk so early on. Like this, it's fine. <laughs> It's fine, but it's where the higher the pitch it is, the more uh, right, it can be okay. heard. Okay. That's what it is. Uh, that, it's the whooping. It's the whooping. <laughs> when we clarified. were when we were sound testing, uh, testing the soundproofing, there was a lot of whooping from either side. Ah, uh, so stag parties are fine. That's interesting. Stag parties okay. are fine. Mm. Stag parties don't tend to stay stay in either. They ah, sort of, yes, oh, that's true. They go out. Mm. And they wholesome things like paintballing. They don't mm. get, for example, strippers in. <laughs> don't they? <laughs> Apparently not. Apparently not. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. They go out. There's no strippers in Bath. What are you saying? But, uh, <laughs> Only for hen parties. Exactly. <laughs> Delivery strippers. Ever <laughs> De- uh, Oh no. And there's my new brand of the day. Deliver. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, at, on at on to strippers. <laughs> on to the. I was just about to say, on to the meat of the matter. And that's not oh. entirely appropriate in that context. Um, no, a, stri- a stripper who then does a barbecue. Um, it's one up right. from cocktail uh, glasses. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, um, it's a common misconception that the 90 day rule, which we have in London, is a restriction on holiday lets. Indeed. It was actually a liberalisation. Um, it's a liberalisation because you're not meant to do any holiday lets at all unless you actually have planning permission. And the planning regulations are quite straightforward. If there's a material change in the use of the property, you've got to switch use classification from residential to holiday lets. And you've got to do that. And in fact, the more legitimate, shall we describe them, um, of the agencies that handle holiday lets, i.e. those that have been in business longer than Airbnb, they do tend to have a long list of things that you need to do to go and get your uh, planning permission for holiday lets i mean even um stuff like yurts you're supposed to have um planning permission for um well at least if they're more than 28 days i think there's all sorts of i'm not a planning specialist but there's a bunch of stuff which is all covered and 
what has happened is that we've had this huge growth in in lettings which has happened really because the authorities have simply turned a blind eye either turned a blind eye or just too incompetent to try and do anything actually about it it's a combination of the two i suspect um but just because they've done that doesn't make these breaches of the planning regulations lawful and as your pal david has found out it can be quite problematic um, when the authorities come a calling indeed because his argument was but i live there so it's not a holiday let and they said but we can search for it around the year on airbnb so it is a holiday let i I did like his claim as well that i only let it to friends and family it just and any friends as (laughs) are people who find him on the internet which is quite an interesting argument in this he's a friendly guy he is a friendly guy (laughs) yeah um um nice try um (laughs) But I, I think what we're also hearing a little bit in this, in, your, in the story you've got um, in this week's HAPO and our hotel analyst perspective online, um, for our subscribers, Catherine, what, what you talk about with that, uh, you quote, I think, Kate Nicholl, CEO of UK Hospitality, and mm. she's not surprisingly beating the drum saying, look, all these people acting illegally. But I think she's got to be a little bit careful because I think if she looks amongst her own members, she will find people doing exactly the same thing, particularly within service departments where a whole raft of those service departments are currently being used on just residential use classification um, and it's very interesting you look at the leases um, on some of these um, that are signed by some of these um, service department operators w- with the landlords they, they've got an explicit break clause in them saying that if somebody comes after you for planning we can just walk away from any lease obligation here um so it's quite an interesting um aspect that they're they're obviously entering into business knowing that they're um shall we say on slightly shady gray um area of the law um and it's a tricky one and it needs clearing up um and i think it rather than try and beat everybody up about this i think it would be in uk hospitality's interest and the the wider hospitality industry's interest if they all work together to try and resolve this in a sensible way because there is there is a good argument here that uh, actually what you're doing is you're driving extra incremental tourism business to an area and we should be shouting about that and the positive potential for the right sort of tourism etc etc if it's done in an appropriate way but it just needs clearing up and clarifying i think we're a long way from that i hope I hope we are going to make some moves on that, but I think we need to be a little less oppositional. Uh, start seeing, you know, the Airbnbs as the bad guys, and you know, um, people who belong to UK hospita- hospitality as the good guys, because that ain't the case. Um, it, it, it's it's a very mixed picture. And now we're going to move on to an update we've just had from Travelodge. Um, Time was when uh, Travelodge and Premier Inn used to be mentioned side by side. Um, But um, Travelodge uh, has spent a little bit of time in the wilderness recovering from the consequences of an unhappy spill in private equity ownership. Uh, But they're back on the growth um, move again. Uh, They're up to 584 hotels in their portfolio. But in the meantime, um, Premier Inn's accelerated up market and there's a raft of new budget and super budget alternatives arriving into the market. So um, are Travelodge in a happy place right now? Catherine, discuss. They're 
in an all right place, sort of, you know, outperforming their segment, just about a little bit concerned about Brexit, as you'd imagine. But they too, of course, have been adding amenities with their super rooms, which include coffee pod machines. Yes, they do. So I know. Um, so and an ironing board. Um, yes, and an iron. And an iron. So I know. So you can enjoy the full full experience of having a coffee while ironing. Um, which is a, a classic, classic uh, mini-break option. So, yes, things are uh, going along, okay, it's uh, Travelodge. But, um, but, yes, to go back to your point, and, and possibly to go back to um, my former next-door neighbour David point, David's point, um, it used to be the case, in fact, uh, Travelodge and Premier Inn, Travelodge more, more than Premier Inn, sold themselves very much at the inception as being incremental, new, exciting people who were going to sleep on sofas, but now are sleeping in hotels, except now... They might be sleeping in Airbnb, or as we heard from Knight Frank, they might be sleeping in boutique hotels or mid-market hotels, other places. And so now they do not, they're no longer filling the space of default option if the economy goes tits up. Uh, so uh, <laughs> we, uh, we await the titting up of the economy with fascination to see what will happen to these, these guys who are now no longer the primary source of, of new supply, as was always used to be the case for years and years and years budget hotels in the um, in the area of development dominating now not so much so hmm, what will become of ye classic budget options yeah i mean talk about the economy having a bit of a wobble uh, earlier this afternoon the oil price was up over 20 percent on fears about what's going on in the middle east and the the attack on the saudi oil facilities if that's not going to introduce a, a, a possible recession i don't know what will um it's it's you know, it's clearly um, with a combination of just the general economic cycle looking a bit grim and the possibility of uh, quite genuine possibility of significant problems out in the Middle East. Uh, you know, there's a lot to be worrying about here. But um, going to this point about what's going on in this market right now, I think the excitement with what we call in the UK budget hotels, what everyone else um, outside the UK would describe as economy hotels. So you go budget hotels, one star, economy, two star, mid-market, three star, upscale, four star, um, luxury, five star. Um, these two star hotels, um, there is a sense in which are they the new squeezed mid-market um, so when budget hotels in the uk variant um, started um, coming out and being rolled out across the uk premier in and travel lodge actually were for a long while the biggest player here um, th they took the world by storm because they they challenged the mid-market and there was this perception that the mid-market hotels were going to get squished by the upmarket above and the budget players below and indeed we did see that and we saw much more rapid rollout and development of um, the budget hotels now and there's a very significant point here in that night frank report um, we are seeing that there's more development in those upmarket and boutique style properties than we are seeing in the budget hotels so i think there is a sense here there is a a bit of a squeeze going on with these so-called super budget players like Easy Hotel and Oyo coming into the market. Um, I think actually Travel Lodge is probably more vulnerable here than Premier Inn. I think Premier Inn has all moved out of the budget or economy sector and is now into the mid-market limited service because it, 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 and there's clear blue water between what where Premier Inn sits and where 
travel lodge sits um, um, and, and basically Premier Inn moving further more up market and I think Whitbread has spotted that opportunity itself introducing the super budget brand Zip um, and I think Travel Lodge has got to sort out exactly what it's going to be doing going forward. I think with Peter Gowers, the CEO there at the helm, I think they have a good chance. Um, Gowers was at the strategy team at IHG. He, he worked within the brand and marketing at IHG. He has a good grip on on brands and the evolve how brands evolve. So I, I do expect to see some action and activity within Travel Lodge in the next few years. All for this week. Uh, we'll wish you goodbye for now.